Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 92. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we are mixing it up a little bit this time. We are bringing back a guest from the archives. And the last time we spoke to this gentleman, the name of Dr. Simon Raybould, was on the 26th of December, 2016, episode five. So really what it is about, Simon is a very good friend of mine, and also he has brought out a new book called air and i love the philosophy behind it and i wanted him to share it with you the audience so simon welcome to the show welcome it's great to be here i am so chuffed i think i am right in saying i'm your first return guest please tell me i win you an are. award no you Yay! are you are you are you are the first return <laughs> guest and the top five episode listened to so my word you are, okay you are doing well so which, clearly my which... brother likes me and downloads me an awful lot <laughs> Which also just shows you how how well you're doing because I mean we're nearly on a hundred episodes so you know that's good stuff good stuff yeah that's absolutely good. so Simon for those of the people who have not heard of you which you know that should not happen but um can you give us some backstory about you know what brought you to this point today okay I started life as a university researcher my PhD was looking at environmental causes of childhood leukemias. Um, so basically, it's a PhD in statistics and medicine. It was really quite pretty intense. It was great, it was great fun. But um, I then went into research and I spent 24 years as a university researcher. And that never leaves you. Once you become a researcher, it's in your blood, you know, uh, and it just sticks with you. So everything I've done since then in terms of training and that kind of thing has always been based upon not my opinion. It's always been based upon hardcore research peer-reviewed gold standard stuff um so i did that for 20 22 years 24 years well 22 years as a researcher 24 years because i had two years as a manager of researchers god help me um and then i formed a company called aware plus we specialize in uh, we're a training company specializing in presentation skills stress management and productivity yeah and obviously the last episode we did we talked about the presentation side but this time we're talking about the your philosophies basically behind the productivity stuff mm. so um for you what was your what was your reason behind getting into this process of and writing the book air productivity stuff it was because i was doing shed loads of training with people about my presentations and the only criticism i ever 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 got about the presentations training was this is awesome if only i had two hours to designed the presentation um, to which my response was well if I can find a way of getting you those two hours will you use it um, and of course they said yes and at that point I went away and started to research the best way to be more productive um, and to do so without having to get up before you went to bed the previous night because you know any fool can get more done by getting up at three o'clock in the morning but that kind of takes you know life is just not designed for getting up at three o'clock in the morning um, early is fine but stupid early is just stupid um, so it's about getting more done and still saying st still saying oh you wouldn't think as a presentations trainer would you still staying sane there we go 
Yeah. Can we can we can we edit that bit out? I think I think so. <laughs> I think so. Although maybe not. But yeah. and, so ultimately for for this, what um, ultimately? Let's go first. What does Air stand for? Air is an acronym. It stands for Act, Inform, Restore. Um, we, the, the, in the jargon, we call those frames. So there's an Act frame, an Inform frame, and a Restore frame, and together they pretty much cover the whole of your working life. Brilliant, brilliant. And just um, for those of you in the background, um, uh, Alexa doesn't know what Air stands for because she replied when I asked Simon. So, um, so <laughs> what did she say? It's the stuff you breathe. <laughs> she just says, "I haven't a clue." Um, but there you go. So yeah, it's an acronym, and and the the act, the the air bit, the A bit stands for act, and then there's the I of inform and the R of restore. Okay, so can we go into these um, these parts in a little bit more detail? So air, so has the A stands for act. What what yeah. does that exactly act, stand for? Act is when you're doing stuff for which you should get paid. It's, it's if I measured your productivity piecemeal by how many podcasts do you record a day, Jeff? That would be act. It, it's kind of what what you think of as work. It's it's kind of doing stuff, getting stuff done, getting on with things. And there's a whole bunch of productivity tools that you can use within that, but there's a very clear limit. To, <laughs> there's a very clear limit to how long you can carry on being productive, which is why we talk about the inform and the restore as well. Yeah. So let's so let's go into these, and then we'll start you know exploring those different sort of tactics sure. and stuff. So for the um the I, that's um what is that one again? Inform. inform. Inform is when you instead of doing your job, inform is when you are spending time learning how better to do your job. So I'm a presentation skills trainer. Um, so maybe I would spend three hours of a Friday afternoon learning how to be a better presentation skills trainer or learning how to train people in presentation skills faster or learning a new couple of tricks with my keynote software and that kind of that kind of thing. So it's you're not actually producing stuff, but you're learning how to produce stuff. Um, okay, the, the classic example in terms of productivity, I, I, I gave a, a, a talk a couple of well, a while ago now to a bunch of um, personal assistants. And I asked them, um, I, I said, what do you do when there's an upgrade of Microsoft Word and that little thing pops up that says, what's new in Microsoft Word? Take the tour or not take the tour? And and to a man and a woman, they just went, I, I need a third button, which is not just no, but hell no, I'm busy. Go away. Leave me alone. Uh, variations of something off. I'm, you know, I want, I want to get on with it. Um but the downside of that is that they then never spent any time learning the new tricks that uh, that uh, that Word could do. So they were still using uh, still using Word as though it was five, six, seven, or in one case even ten years ten years old. So um, the, the, the ultimate example was that one person, for every time she wrote a, a title or a subtitle or a heading or a subheading or a sub subheading, she formatted each and every one of them manually, which took her about thirty seconds. Well, for the last 10 years, Microsoft Word has been able to go triple click to select the title or whatever, styles, click, done, which takes about five seconds. Now, it takes, yeah, it takes you 10 minutes to learn how to do that. But from then on for the rest of your life, every time you do it, it, it saves you 30 seconds. It doesn't take long for the, the time you invest in learning stuff in the inform frame to start meaning that you get more done in the act frame. 
Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's it's those it's having the foresight to and having the patience to go. Okay, you know, we learned this little bit, but this bit's going to ultimately save me so much more time yeah, in the future. So yeah, absolutely. We can come back to how you know how much time to spend in those two frames, kind of yeah. just in a minute or two. But yeah, you're absolutely yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. absolutely. Right. So R restore. R, R stands for restore. R is restore is whatever it is that gets your head back in the game. Um, emotional energy or bandwidth, some people call it, or or just the capacity to do stuff. It's not physical tiredness, but if you've got a high intellect thinking job, a job that requires you to be really concentrating, um, it's you'll have heard the phrase, you know, the lights are on, but there's nobody home. You know, you're there at three o'clock in the afternoon, but you might as well go home because, frankly, you're not getting anything done because you've just run out of pizzazz you just run out of whatever it is that drives you and 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 get stuff done so restore is time you spend getting your head back in the game and for some people it's a coffee with their friends for other people it's a 20 minute walk in the woods for somebody it's an hour at the gym whatever it is that works for you yeah yeah and the that brings out that in the the interesting study in i think it was scandinavia i can't remember which part of scandinavia that have reduced work hours yeah. Because they've said that the extra, you know, the normal eight-hour shift doesn't put that extra two hours. I think they've dropped down to six hours. That's it that's doesn't exactly produce right. any more any more work. Absolutely. Well, and the whole thing for this start off with Henry Ford realizing that you could get more work out of people in an eight-hour shift than you could get it out of them in a twelve-hour shift. So why pay them for twelve hours when you can get more work by only paying them for eight? So Henry Ford reduced the working hours of his staff to to eight hours, and everybody thought he was wonderful. But in fact, he was doing it for perfectly sort of self-indulgent reasons, if you like. And you're right, the Scandinavians are experimenting with us at the moment. It's not true that it works for everybody. So if you've got a very simple, mindless, um, or a manual job, for example, you can work for eight hours. But for most people, if you've got a uh, a brainy, thinky job, if you see what I mean. I'm a, is it is a thinky? Is, is thinky a real word? But, you know, I think we we'll get. I think we may adopt that one. Actually, yeah, I, I, I like that word. I like if you've got word. a thinky job like you and I, um, most people can only concentrate for about six hours in a day, and after that, they're just. Um, oh, I've just. Oh, I've just seen my recording levels go red light as soon as I went. Yeah, what the hell? Um, it's. It, it it's stuff that you you know you've only got six hours a day of productive stuff why not spend those extra two hours a day doing something useful and my tongue is in my cheek slightly as i say this but if you're getting paid by your boss for six or seven or eight or nine hours or whatever but your brain only works for six of those hours with my tongue in my cheek actively actually that's just a kind of theft you're getting paid for not doing your job and you know, I, I don't mean that too literally, but you get the you get the idea. So the idea of Airbook, um, the Air concept, is that you take those two hours a day on average when you're not being productive, and you do the inform with them or the restore with them, so that you actually get more stuff done by working fewer hours. So you know, if if you're if you're screwed on a Friday afternoon at three o'clock. Instead of just wasting time till five o'clock and, and going home, why don't you invest those two hours in the informed framework so that come Monday morning, you're better and faster at your job? It's not rocket science. It's blindingly obvious as soon as I say it. The only hard part about all of this, of course, is that common sense is not common practice. No, no, we get in our own ways, don't we? 
yeah, we've got this hamster treadmill thing going on when you're going, I've got to work, 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 I've got to work. And you never actually stop working to figure out how you can work better, smarter, faster. You just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And you never come up. And here's the the reason that I went for the acronym. You never come up for air, if you'll pardon the pun, to see kind of where it is that you're going and what it is that you're doing. It's a really simple idea. It's a really simple acronym. But some of the experiments I've done with with clients so far suggest that within the first couple of months of me working with them, they're getting, they say, 10, 15 percent more work done and they're happier and healthier with it. Well, imagine imagine investing half a day and within a couple of months, you're 10 percent more productive. That's half that's half a working day every week for the rest of your working your working life. It's it's an it's a no brainer as soon as you start to apply the thing, the things properly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you and I both love productivity stuff. So let's go back to the A, which is actually the doing the stuff. Sure. What are some of the um, strategies, some of the um, applications or platforms that you um, have used or you find really useful in order to help that side of it? Okay, this is an interesting one because whatever app you use, whatever system you use, it ain't about the app, it ain't about the system. It's about the fact that you use the darn thing in the first place. Um, Everybody I've ever interviewed and everybody I've ever spoken to and all the research I've ever read suggests that there is very little difference between all the productivity systems. What's important is having a productivity system and sticking to it versus not having one and not sticking to <laughs> and, and not sticking to it. Now there are some that I like, uh, there are some that I dislike, but it, at that point it's a matter of personal it's a personal preference and personal taste as to what works for your hardware, what works for your software, what works for your job. So for example, I use Asana. I absolutely love and adore Asana, but I know people who can't stand it because it just gets between them and the work. And they would rather use a notepad, a pencil and you know, a, a pencil and paper notepad. So it's it's whatever works for for you, and I know that's a cop out. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, Asana is great. Um, Google Docs is great. Um, Google Keep is awesome. Dropbox is fantastic. The one that I know you love and I just would sell my soul for is Evernote because um, it, it just does everything you ever need in terms of capturing ideas, capturing lists, organizing for you, them, them for you, allowing you to search by tag or location. Um, it even on a good day reads my handwriting, you know, so I can make notes on paper. And uh, when I upload the photograph to Evernote, it's, it, you know, it can read my handwriting, which is to be honest, better than my wife. Um, <laughs> let's let's um, yes, well, let's, let's skip that one. Later. Okay, yeah. moving swiftly on. Um, well, I suppose that because that's the other thing is is I use um, I I have a I use Trello for my projects and stuff because I like the um, I don't actually know what the technical term is for that format, but it, the vertical columns rather than the lists. But my sort of everyday tasks, I just use Wonderlist. I just use something really simple just to go, okay, I've done that and that and that. But it's, um, but I think sometimes what I often see is, is people get so wrapped around about using the next best one or the one that's just been launched. And as you say, rather than just going, okay, this is what I'm using and I'm going to get dedicate time. And actually what you find a lot of them is they don't dedicate enough time to yep. go... 
okay, I've learned this and I now know all of the widgets and everything else that work within it. They just go, I'm getting frustrated with that. I'm going to move to the next one. And it becomes the domino effect of just the same story going over and over and, and over, over again. And over and over. Yeah, absolutely. And they're always looking for the silver bullet, realizing that actually what it takes is just a little bit of self-discipline to use what they have got slightly better. And so, for example, um, the most powerful, and this is going to sound really stupid and old school, but the most powerful productivity tool I've got is is Google Calendar. Um, and just put, for the love of God, put in Google Calendar what it is that you're going to get done. <laughs> I mean, any calendar will do. The reason I just cite Google Calendar is because it talks to all my other calendars. So um, I've got it online and on my phone and my laptop and my desktop, and they all sync to each other. But put Actually, do you know, that reminds me, there's an interesting thing about the air stuff as well, in that we all tend to put things in our calendars in blocks of an hour, because that's what we're conditioned to do. <laughs> um, well, think about it, but if you think about it for a second, how many of us can actually concentrate on any one task for an hour? And only so there's some really interesting research. I want to just sorry, I'm, I'm wandering off here, Jeff, but some really interesting research which. Uh, if you sit down to do a task, you know, you know, for the first ten minutes or so of the task you're not actually being productive. You're sitting there thinking, where's my pen, booting up the laptop, going, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? What is this about? I don't want to do this. I make myself a cup of tea and all of that kind of stuff. And then after about whatever it is, let's say 10 minutes, you start getting more and more and more productive. And then the graph flattens off a bit as you get more and more tired. And the obvious thing to do at that point is to stop working the moment your your graph starts to flatten off, as soon as you start to become less productive, stop. But yet how many of us just carry on working on something for, let's say, an hour, two hours or a half day, just because that's what's expected of us? Um, so you know, if you look at my calendar, you'll see that I've got loads of stuff in there, and some of it's in there for 45 minutes. Some of it is only in there for 20 minutes. Some of it is in there for three minutes because that's how long I can work on those particular things before I start to lose my my approach. Yeah, yeah, the will to live. You know, for example, I mean, silly silly example. Um, if I'm proofreading, I can only proofread for 20 minutes at a time before I start to get before I start to make mistakes and I get tired and I become unproductive. But I can write a slide deck using Keynote software for three hours at a time. So it makes no sense for me to proofread for three hours. What I should do with my proofread, actually what I should do with my proofreading is give someone else to do it. But if I've got to proofread it myself, hello, Claire, if you're listening, my proofreader, um, what I should do if I've got to do it myself is just do it for 20 minutes because I know that's how, how long I can do that particular task. And if you talk to people about how long they work for, actually, they know that they can't work for blocks of an hour. 20 minutes might be good for, for one task for one person, 90 minutes for one task, maybe for the same task for a different person. It's, as soon as you start to look at it like that, it's, it's kind of common sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting, interestingly, is one of the things that I started to do, and it's, it's helped me, is there's a setting in Google Calendar called Speedy Meetings. And what that does is that knocks off 10 minutes for anything over half an hour and five minutes for anything under half an hour. So when you are arranging those, for some reason, and I can't remember why or why I heard it worked, but when you're giving people they've only got literally a 50-minute meeting, the, the idea behind, I think, is just to go, look, you don't have a full hour. We've just got this short period of time. And it just lets people know that, you know, it's only a 50-minute meeting. 
But then the other side of that is, is um, I like the idea of the blocking time. And that's something that I found really, really useful. Um, what do you do you sort of recommend that people and as you say is different tasks require different amount of time is that different, something different, you, length block, different length blocks is this different length blocks yeah yeah so it, but and I suppose then it's also understanding the way you work and really you must have taken your time to go okay you know if I've got slide deck creation or something it's going to I can put it in this block Mm-hmm. But how how benefit do you think it is to sort of um, do you have rep rep um, repli- uh, is it replicated no repetition tasks sort of every month where you go <laughs> okay this is what I'm going to do every you know I don't know accounts every Friday twice a fri- twice a month or something do you do that yes ish. Right, the accounts okay. thing, the, the accounts thing is mainly, can I get out of doing my accounts once a month rather than actually doing <laughs> yes. my accounts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I do it. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. the least exciting thing possible, but I know yeah, it's absolutely. got to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, well, that's it. Brings us to an interesting, another interesting thing because what a lot of people do is block stuff in their diaries at a con- a time that is convenient to the diary, as opposed to thinking, is this a high energy, a high mental energy task or a low mental energy task? And it, let me give you a personal example. I'm not good first thing in the mornings, right? It takes me till about coffee time to, to, to get to my best. What that means is that the stuff that I do first thing in the morning, you know, I get into the office about half past eight, maybe eight o'clock and up till 10 o'clock. Here's the obvious question. Should I do things that require me to concentrate or should I do mind numbing, boring tasks such as going through my email on a triage filter and going delete, 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 delete. What most people do is kind of they go delete, 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 and then they start answering their emails. Well, if that's the time when you're half asleep, that's a really dumb thing to do because it means that you're you're you're, you're sending emails back to people when you're when you're half asleep and on the other hand i've got a member of my team called well claire my, my proofreader said she um she wakes out you know, jumps out of bed as a lark she's ready to go first thing in the morning the, the most stupid thing she could do with her time is just triage her emails because at eight o'clock in the morning that's when she's at her best and actually you don't need any brain space at all to just go delete 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 what she should do is do that at four o'clock in the afternoon you know, it's it's not common sense. It's just a question of looking at how much energy does this task take, so that tells you what time of day you should do it, and how long can I concentrate from on it, and that tells you how long you should work on it at a time. And yes, I, I recognise there is an enormous weakness in this approach, which is that some people don't have what we call agency. Some people don't have control over their own working lives. You know, if you're on a if you're on a, um, a a conveyor belt type job, then this isn't going to hurt. You know, it isn't going to help you. But it's unbelievably useful for those people who have got some kind of con- and you know, anybody who's self-employed or anybody who's creative or anybody who's even halfway up the management ladder has some kind of control over over when they do their jobs. And all they have to do is ask themselves: Is this a job that I should do first thing in the morning or? Not depending on whether they're awake first thing in the morning. It's it, you know ain't rocket yeah. science. No, and I suppose then we go down to the because I find quite often that people will put their business stuff in their calendar, yes. but not their personal stuff. And, and you know, but they'll also in the same breath go, if it's not in the diary, it won't get done. Yeah, and it's and it's that I suppose is that the I or the R? 
The I and the R, yeah. The research is very clear. The I and the R want to go in your diary with the same level of seriousness, gravitas, the same level of stick ness if you see what I mean, as a business meeting. You know, so I've got I've got gym sessions in my diary and that that time is dedicated to going to the gym and that's what I will do. I mean, yeah, uh, I, if someone phones up and goes, Simon, I'm going to pay you five million pounds on next Thursday's work and I'm not going to look at my diary and go, no, no, I'm going to the gym on Thursday. You can take your five million pounds and stuff it. I did, you know, I am going to move it bit of common sense but i'm going to move it rather than delete it yeah so it goes in with the same level of seriousness as a meeting and for the first time i'm, I'm going to just step away here from the research and giving my personal opinion my personal opinion what i find really useful is that inform and restore in particular goes into my diary well before my act stuff so that they don't get swamped so that my gym sessions and my dates with my friends and my lunch meetings and, and my coffee breaks and that kind of stuff, you know, with friends and that kind of stuff, not only coffee break, a special coffee break, um, they go into my diary a long time into the future <laughs> so that they are protected. That I, you know, I, I take them as seriously as, as I do my meetings. Yeah, when I heard you did that, I really loved that because um, in uh, there's not many people I know that do that first. They'll go business first then maybe family and then me at the end not and that's even if they put family and me at the end the general thing is that a doctor's appointment a dentist appointment but everything else is just yeah. well if I can do it I can do it and I, I love that whole philosophy and I, I adopted that when you told me about that um, and it is amazing how useful and beneficial it is because you've got it's so far ahead you can just go Actually, no, I can't do that meeting, and you don't, and you remove the guilt as well for not yep. fulfilling Absolutely. that yeah. requirement. You know, and, I'm and meeting my the, parent thing. Yeah, and the the other thing that re removes the guilt is the research that says you can only do brain work for about six hours a day. So once you you know once you realise that for two hours a day, and these these are cross averages, of course, um, but once you realise that you can't be productive for for twelve fourteen hours a day, why the hell put it in your diary? Why not put a half hour lunch break in or a 45 minute walk through the woods behind your office or lunch with friends or a gym session or yoga in the morning. Why not put it in there? Cause it's not actually chipping into your productive working time. All it's doing is, is making your mental health better. Yeah. It's actually interesting because the, the more people I interview for this show and the, you know, depending on the level that they are at, if you want in their own development, you see the more, the more, the higher you go in that development phase, the more time they're putting in for their, I guess, the I and the R than they are the M, the A, because they, they've understood that importance and they don't do guilt anymore of taking, you know, 25 minutes at the gym or, you know, 15 minutes meditation because they understand the benefit that it both gives them as an individual yeah. towards their family, but also towards their work. Yeah, I've genuinely got more done. So ridiculous bragging type example. Um, most people who've listened to me before will know that I wrote the book Presentation Genius. Now, Presentation Genius became a top 10 bestseller. It got to number six in the charts. But I wrote that book in three months. As, at the same time, in those three months, I spent more time with my kids, more time with my wife, more time with my friends, more time with my hobbies, and I continued to run a successful small business 
and do the research and write and edit a top 10 bestseller. And the, the thing the thing that I managed that, that meant that I could do that were the kind of things we've been talking about for the last sort of half an hour. Um, you know, how long can I write for? 45 minutes. Well, write for 45 minutes, Simon, and then go for a swim. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and th- then you go that to that other, the um, the other part, which is, is, is you've just got to try these things. I mean, one of the things I introduced in in my sort of if you want life was the productivity experiment so i give myself mm-hmm. a quarter to if something isn't working or i look at it and go could i be more productive i dedicate three months and i guess this is this i bit um to 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 learn a new skill to see if it actually will make things better or not and if it doesn't i ditch it and move on to the next one just so i can take that constant development and making sure i'm working to the best level You've got a longer attention span than I have. I can't do that for three months. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what it is, because sometimes you you sometimes you know pretty quickly if it's better or not. Yeah. But like for example, like software, I'll not I'll not give it just a month. I'll I'll do my best to give it a quarter. You know, most of the time it's two months, and I know straight away. Like Evernote, I used it for a week, and I just knew it worked. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's other ones where you go, yeah, I'm not too sure. So for example. I think both of us have used Meistertask. I've used Nosby and whatever. I just went, I just don't like this. So I'll move to the next one. And I think that's the thing that you mentioned at the beginning. It's finding a one that you're comfortable with. Yeah. And um, using it. The, absolutely. For, for me, and, and I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit here and talk about software. For me, if I have to read the manual, that yes. software is not for me. No, I would agree. I would yeah. totally yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. If it is not so intuitive that I can't get a handle on it after watching a couple of videos and playing with it for a couple of hours, you know, not to master it, obviously, but, you know, if I if I can't use it after a couple of hours or at least know at the end of a couple of hours, then you go, you know what, this was designed by an idiot and it's a square wheel and um, there must be something alternate. And there's a bit of common sense to be had, obviously, because some things you're never going to master in two hours, but... In, in principle, you get to know you, know, um, you get to know quite quickly, and you kind of go, "Do you know what? Yeah, I like this. I'll invest the time in it." Or this isn't doing it for me. I want to count. I want to find the, the author of this user interface and and slap him. Um, <laughs> you always have a way with the people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it usually is a him as well, which is the, uh, and obviously I don't mean literally slap him because that would no. be wrong. Of course, um, but you just want to just got to go. Look, what were you thinking when you wrote this, you muppet? <laughs> um, I mean, words of one syllable. Why they're an idiot. Yes, indeed, indeed. So um, it's been brilliant having you. We've come to the end, so it's been great having you. Um, how can people... Around as soon as I start threatening violence with people... Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that one. Um, and moving on. So how can people find out more about you to um, look into the air and all of those sort of cool things? Air is really straightforward. Everything about air comes from the website, which is airbook.life. And that's A-I-R-B-O-O-K dot life airbook.life and there's the blog there you can read the podcast or listen to the podcast there Uh, you can look at some articles there you can order the book pretty soon you'll be able to get hold of the online training course from there as well everything comes out from that one website yeah and um i don't normally do this but i've known simon for a while and the stuff that he talks about and he speaks about and he teaches is really 
first class so i highly recommend it uh so it's Funny, been great just fibers in an envelope <laughs> in the usual place Jeff. in a bundle under the sea yeah. it has been an absolute pleasure having you on site and um you have an amazing day i will do my best thank you so much real blast you take care of yourself So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening, and I really appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services, and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk, and that's Jeff, G-E-O-F-F. I also invite you to join my growing community on Facebook, search for Jeff Nicholson UK and join like-minded people because it would be absolutely awesome to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. If you have enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review and because it, it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I'm aspiring to do with the show. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week.